Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Salt Mine. This is episode 13. We got a little bit of a crossover coming at you this week. We are Salt Mine X Salty Runback this week, as we are joined by Grapes and a Hawk from the Salty Runback podcast and uh, a variety of the open qualifier streams. Uh, as we're going to be talking about the promotion relegation series. My name is Gordo. I'm joined by Nyarko, TDS, and as I said, Grapes and Hawk. Thanks for hopping on, you guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good to I, be here. I got to see the the intro. I got to listen to it live. I've, I've heard it so many times before, but now I got to like see it in person. It's pretty cool. It's good. I appreciate it. starstruck right now. Uh, yeah, yeah s- same here, guys. Big fans of, uh, of Salty Runback as well great source for amateur league of legends news as well as nacl news and uh discussion and punditry and all of those good things um but joining in together here to uh give our perspectives on the upcoming promotion relegation tournament for nacl summer and want to start by talking about the tournament format a little bit right there hasn't been a lot of super public information um about what the tournament's going to look like and uh, and and when it's going to be played. So it, it does start next week. It does kick off on the 17th of April. Um, and it will be a double elimination bracket seeded with the four NACL teams as the one through four seeds and the four qualifier teams as the five through eight seeds. Uh, you play best of threes in your first round and in the loser's bracket first round, and you play best of fives for any matches other than that. So any matches that will either qualify you to the NACL, um, or yeah, that's pretty much it. Any matches that qualify you to the NACL uh, will be played as best of fives. I wanted to say, or that eliminate you, but then I remembered like, no, nah, that's just the world's format actually. And you could definitely play a best of three and get eliminated here. So I wanted to start out by talking about that format here a little bit. What are our thoughts on it? Do we think it's going to effectively select the best four teams uh, I know we talked a little bit before recording. A round one matchup matters a ton. Let's uh, let's get some takes out here. Well, first thing to note is that it's not double elimination, or it's double elimination, but it's without a bracket reset. So I immediately am going to dislike it. But, but you don't you know. even have a finals. You don't need a bracket <laughs> reset. It's it's. Well, what if? What if double jeopardy? I actually need to look a little bit deeper as to like what possible permutations actually like lead to situations that I'm grumpy about. But this is all to say that you know without an actual finals and this is and this uh being a tournament that I think is so heavily determined by seeding. I think that this alongside many other like different kind of structures could have led to like a pretty equitable outcome here. I do think that it is the case that we will be seeing the first rounds go about as expected and we're going to get into predictions soon but from there once people are kind of set on a path uh by winning or losing their first best of three i think that their fates are almost kind of decided at that point in time that's that's interesting i i think that actually we'll get into this maybe a little bit later but i think there's a couple of matchups in here that could sway a little bit here and there especially in that first round but Overall, I like the fact that you have to win a best of five to qualify in. Like you're, that is the way that you get in by by winning a best of five, uh, whether it's in the upper bracket or the losers bracket. Um, and I, I appreciate the, that fact. Uh, and also, that's just the fact that um, it is like just double elimination, and it's not some weird situation where 
it's just like one best of five or one series that is played between each of the teams because if you go back to how proving grounds worked that was like a there was like the whole play-in series mm -hmm. uh that happened between like the the amateur teams and the academy teams as they were called back then um so now in this format it's a little bit more like everybody plays a little bit of everyone uh and it's gonna i think actually create for some pretty interesting circumstances Yeah, I'm I would agree. Oh, sorry. I would agree. I uh I mean it, it's like like it's just a mini playoffs bracket, right? Um and, and I like that you need to at least win one best of five to qualify. And I think as far as like being efficient with time um and everything, I think a lot makes a lot of sense. And also uh, I I think it's just I mean, I think you're a meme in Yarko, but the uh the bracket reset on a uh, a bracket where there's no finals would be quite spicy. I gotta be real <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah, you gotta win two best of fives in a row to qualify. I do think something to note though, right, is your your first round matchup matters so much, right? I alluded to this a little bit earlier, um, but it's like because you your first round is best of three, right, and that's super preceded. It's um, and, you know, with all the variance between how you might get seeded both in your NACL uh, playoff results and in your, especially in your NACL queues, because there's a combination of two tournaments worth of points. Um, feels like a lot of things could have very easily swung one way or the other. I, I don't think that these teams are necessarily ranked first through fourth. I think I would argue that I think second and third could have could have flip flopped for sure. Uh, and native maybe even could have been in here if some brackets had been different. Um, but you your first round matchup based off that seeding matters so so much because it's like you play your best of three and if you win you get two shots at best of fives to qualify and either one of those best of fives will make it in but if you lose that best of three then you have one more best of three or you're gonna get eliminated so like there's like winning takes a lot of matches as as you guys alluded to you have to win a best of five but you can lose out very quickly like you can just drop four games and be out of the tournament it's kind of like I, I trying to think about this in a way where I understand the way that they are setting it up because I see it more so than trying to like bring up the teams. It's I, I see it and this may sound kind of bad, but in the in the idea of the teams that will eventually get relegated once again. It's kind of how I see it. More so than just the teams that are going to be prompt up. And even though it sounds like kind of mean, at the same time I kind of uh, like the, the idea is that these teams will get their chance in the future, but realistically, if they are here, they probably will be repeating here in the next tournament. Like that's kind of the way that that it's more set up. So I don't, I'm not thinking that it's unfair to them. More so that it's kind of looking down on them, but I understand the why. And then I also am kind of curious: the patch that it's been played on, is it the same that they play tournaments on, or is it the newer ones? That's kind of another thing that I'm curious on. It's uh thirteen point seven is gonna be the official oh, patch. Okay. So, Which is MSI patch, I believe. I think MSI is thirteen eight and then this is yeah, live okay. is right now. Yeah, but thirteen okay, seven okay. is live patch at time of recording, right? Oh okay, okay. So. Sorry. I, then my brain was a patch behind, but and just to just to tag off of what Gordo said about um first round matchup as well, I, I think more importantly, not only do you have two chances to to get in if you win your first match. But you also only have to theoretically win two series as opposed to three. Anyone that goes into lo uh, the lower bracket is going to have to play more series to get in. Um, so you know, if you're there, there will be two teams that play a best of three and a best of five, and then they're 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 going. And so I think um, 
that also matters a lot as well. Like if you're one of these provisional teams that I'm looking at in particular, TL first, fly fam, as like they should be able to defend their spot, but we're not 100% confident in them. Being able to pull out the win against Team Fish Taco or, or uh, Tony Top in the first round just puts you in a really good position to promote in very quickly and, and not, you know, save save the stress. Absolutely here. So I think that's about enough on the bracket. Want to talk a little bit about our general impressions of the field um, and general perception of like AM versus NACL in this kind of new world, right? Because it used to be a very hard cutoff, right? There were 10 academy teams that were directly under the um, LCS organizations, and then there were all the whole pool of amateur teams. And, you know, some of them were better than others, of course. And they could at times have bigger performances that made deeper runs, like I, AOE Ginger Turmeric, uh, who would later become the Bones of Wildcard, uh, had a pretty good run last year. And thinking back, like, all the way back to the start, where, like, uh, no org made a made a run all the way to winning the whole thing, um, but apart from exceptions like that, it was mostly perceived that the AM teams were substantially weaker than the uh, academy teams. But now it's like the provisional teams are kind of in a in an in between space, right? They're like both amateur and but they play in the same league as the challenger teams formerly academy teams and as fear and wildcard have shown us you know some of them are even better than um the challenger teams themselves so curious as to what we think about like the relative strength of these teams that have just played a split of nacl and these teams that haven't gotten that opportunity yeah and i think it's a really interesting conversation right because you know, before, uh, it was always an upset, right, if an academy team lost to an amateur team in the Proving Grounds, um, no matter how good they were. Only, only like, three teams over the entirety of last year were able to do it, uh, or, or three or four. Uh, one of AOE did it twice, um, which just goes to show, like, there was definitely a gap. But th it's hard to sort of take into account um, how much these teams of players, these provisional teams, would have leveled up by playing in the NACL for an entire split, right? Or most of them playing for an entire split. Um, they've got 30 regular season games as well as at least four playoff games. And I, if I'm not mistaken, everybody except for Team Liquid uh, first won one playoff game as well. So, like, they got 35-ish games against some of the top competition in the region. And so even though, like, for example, CLG Faith now the last dance their team is pretty much entirely made of players that either weren't playing last year or i think weren't necessarily considered like the absolute top one two prospects in amateur regardless of where they were individually as we perceive them at the end of 2022 now halfway through 2023 it's actually i think really hard to gauge how good these teams and players actually will be because it's easy to say oh like the last dance they looked like shit all year they only won two games out of 35 like that's bad but they still were playing against teams that are much better than, say, TikTok Tony Top, perhaps. And I think that that's kind of a, a good parting point to go to because one thing I, I think I we said or we talked about when it was the actual like time for the NACL players and the things like that, it's that you don't need to be, or professional teams don't need to be better than the challenger teams themselves. They need to be better than the teams that are going to be relegated. 
As long as you're yeah. better than the four teams below you, that's it. You're you're still in, you're going to save your spot. This is kind of the same thing. You don't need to be better than everyone else. You need to be better than two teams to qualify straight up. And then if not, be better than, well, actually, yeah, be better than two teams. That's it. You just need to be better than two and be able to qualify. So if you take it as that, it's a little bit easier to try and gauge, maybe not the strength, but the way that you can go back into the NACL. Because once again, I don't think that it's necessarily the best team that will get in. It's more so... The team that performs best on the week and the team that is able to overall be able to go forward and be able to survive so that they can come back here next split. Hopefully not, but that's kind of the idea. So for me, I definitely agree with the point that Hawk brings to the table uh, in terms of these teams in the NACL or formerly in NACL. Now, I guess that spot is in a little bit of jeopardy. Uh, had some time to train against kind of the best of the best, and in many cases, I think that we've seen market improvement from these teams as the season wore on. For me, I will say that the breakpoint still exists within the kind of bandwidth of teams that we're seeing here in the promotion relegation tournament. For me, I think it's centered around CLG Faith or TLD, and that's not just because I always like to talk about this team. Um, it's because I genuinely do think that these are players who will have a run for their money up against some of these competitors within the NACL qualifier area. Um, in particular, I got some insight as to how Aaron is playing and how I think the bot lane of TLD is going to look moving forward into this next week uh, as they were playing for SLU, St. Uh, Lawrence University, uh, or St. Louis University, excuse me, versus uh, Merrillville for the Northern Conference Finals in uh, CLOL. And that was a lane where I just felt Aaron could do nothing against um, Niles and everybody else on uh, Merrillville just kind of coming down and beating them up. But even in the raw 2v2, I still think that this is something that we're seeing the NECL qualifier teams uh, stay competitive with. Maybe Sketch in the support role is going to kind of, you know, balance out the lane dynamics and everything, but I don't know. I, we, I, I feel like we spend most of the season bashing on support's impact on the map, or at least DDS and I have. So um, I'm going to say, yeah, I think of the break point and kind of where NACL quality dips below NACL Q quality is right around TLD, and that means that we're going to get some interesting matchups. This has been a really tough uh, conversation that, or like debate that I've gone through in my head a lot throughout the season like oh like are the qualifier teams actually going to be stronger or are the provisional teams just going to be be stronger um hawk brought up the point where of course the provisional teams get the the higher level of experience i feel like some teams have taken better advantage of that than others like where there are some there are a couple of teams uh in this pool of four that i feel like have really made like significant strides throughout the season and we saw like tangible improvements in their gameplay and then there were some teams where we didn't see that as much and so i'm interested to see like if that plays a role in like which of them are going to be performing better in this tournament um and then on the other hand like the qualifiers i mean i know that we were watching i know there's a lot of games to watch but uh, overall like the, the qualifier level of gameplay it wasn't it wasn't that great so i'm i as somebody who is of course covering that that league i still am a little bit skeptical about how all of that is going to go. Um, but I think the, the last, last point I want to bring up really quickly is that um, I, and the, the last reason why I think that this could be a really difficult thing to gauge is that if you take a look at like the match histories, the last time that we saw Last Dance slash CLG Faith play is over a month ago now. It's March 13th against Wildcard. So um, who knows like what's been happening like in terms of scrims and how much of these teams have improved or, or not. Um, and I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to look at. 
the just the last thing I want to bring up before we probably move on is um you know for for as much as we are saying it's hard to gauge and everything at least throughout the season everyone that I've talked to uh, including uh, experts on NACL bigger experts than us you know the ones the, the NACL casters and stuff right they have um most of them predict wouldn't predict at least one team to be relegated whether or not it's the last dance or what like I think the general consensus amongst the community and now I don't know how this changes with messages coming in and also the downturn of team liquid first at the start of the split or at the end of the split but um I think most people generally agree that the f six provisional teams at least like for most of the season were not necessarily the six best amateur teams if that makes sense so um i do think the expectation is still that someone gets relegated even if we're feeling like uh you know i because i would agree i think the last dance has made strides um however like maryville has still looked really good um there's individual talent on all the other three teams as well so and, and in particular maryville they're a team that you know they they've been playing together a lot uh, and also against very, very high-level competition and a lot of different teams across CLOL and the qualifiers. And that was actually just to, to end on the point there as well. I wanted to touch on it because are we all, like, in agreement here that if one team qualified, that would be, like, good? Like, is it is the bare minimum, like, one team qualifying overall? You mean getting relegated? Uh, yeah, like, Same I thing. mean, uh, a material team qualifying and then one NACL team getting relegated. I think that it would, at the very least, better contextualize the status of the Amateur League in comparison with NACL. Um, if it is the case that we see no promotions or in re no relegations, um, and even at the very closest of seeding, the TLD versus Maryville game that we've kind of already started to touch on, um, that kind of ends up in, as a stomp in favor of the former members of CLG faith. Uh I think that we are still kind of left in this state of speculation as to, you know, what are the qualifiers going to do in the future? How can we gauge their skill level when, you know, these teams aren't playing against one another outside of these kinds of tournaments? Uh, so I think that for the health of our mental and our sanity as analysts, it's valuable if we see a promotion slash relegation. I also just like to think that this vertical mobility extends uh, down to everybody in the NACLQ realm, right? Uh, I think that it's a really fantastic system. It's so open to anybody who just wants to aspire to head on this path to pro and NA. And, you know, as far as narratives go, having this rel promotion relegation tournament almost kind of as an afterthought where you're like, yeah, I could qualify. I could play all these best of threes, best of fives, uh, go five Oh in the uh, <laughs> open Swiss, but it doesn't matter because we're just going to get slammed by these teams that have tons more training. Uh, that's never a good feeling. And I don't think it's a good look for the scene. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like that's unlikely. Like I think it's for Agreed. this particular tournament. I think it's, it's morally neutral, right? I don't know that it's good or bad. If we're like, six splits into this thing and nobody's ever been relegated then maybe there's you know a bit of an issue to be discussed but i don't think there's really any particular way that happens i think we've had the proof of concept for the last couple of years now with proving grounds right where like these teams would roll up after having only played against amateur competition all split and would beat academy teams like pretty regularly like there would it was never like a clean sweep or anything uh, across the board there were always amateur teams taking games and taking series um 
I don't, I, I think now, you know, they have an easier time of it, right? At least at this stage, right? Now they play against weaker than academy teams um, in the form of these bottom four provisional teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would expect they should be taking games in series. I'd be very surprised if they don't. All right. Well, with that discussion, let's get into evaluating some of these teams, right? Just want to give like a quick primer as we go through the eight contenders here, uh, especially because a couple have had some slight roster changes. So let's start off with our number one seed, which is AOE Gold, where uh, a certain podcast, Salty Runback, may have had a, a little bit of a leak on a potential uh, roster change from a, from a guest you guys had on recently uh in the form of supposedly gamsu will not be playing and they'll be bringing in quacker for aoe obviously we can't confirm that or anything but uh sounds like a little birdie might have uh let that one drop on a on a certain podcast yeah that, that little birdie's name was aaron i'm gonna call him out right here he uh <laughs> decided to run his mouth a little bit and thought it was funny but um yeah it's a pretty big uh change and of course gamsu is somebody is it that though? I, I mean, in terms of how they would play the game, I think I think definitely. You know, Gamsu is yeah, this guy I that, mean, that I guess plays so, I guess so. Um, like as this weak side guy um, a lot of the time. Um, but on, on the other hand, it's, it's Quacker who on CCG actually like played a lot of like strong side games uh, and actually was very good laner on champions like the Olaf and the Darius. So I think if AoE wants to kind of buy into that, I would be very interested to see how that goes. But I'm not expecting a complete playstyle shift with not a lot of time between these tournaments. Yeah, I'm going to play both sides on that one. Uh, I covered a lot of CCG during the qualifiers. I did a lot of their streams, uh, either on the back end or casting. Uh, And Quacker is... First of all, I think he looks very good after his hiatus. I've I've been very impressed with him since his return, and he is, like, the opposite of Gamsu, man. He is, like, strong side all day. He wants the ganks. He wants the gold. He's, like, you got to ban Olaf against this guy or he's going to run you down. Like, he is very, very different to Gamsu. Um, with that said, I don't think that really matters. I think AoE is, like, a tier above all the other teams in this bracket. I think they are substantially better than their three cohorts from NACL and uh, and substantially, substantially better than the provisional teams. Um, I, I, yeah, I just think they're all around, like, they're a pound-for-pound better than quite a few Challenger teams. Like, I think they're better than, like, an, a TSM Challengers and Immortals Challengers some of those bottom tier teams. Um, and I, I I expect them to, to qualify pretty easily here. I think they're the best team here. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm right there with you, Gordo. Uh, because I, I, I get that Quacker's play style is different than Gomsu's, right? But like, bro, what does it freaking matter? Like, Lynx and Skytech and Winnie and Darkwings are going to run every single team in this tournament. And then Quacker is just going to be like a more like carry oriented top laner like being chilling at the same time i don't know i mean like aoe is definitely mortal they might drop a game i would be surprised if they went two zero three zero but i i still feel like they're just the best team here they look a cut above the rest of the provisional teams and probably means they're cut above as well and I'm right there with Hawks and Gordo. And I think basically everybody on this podcast by yeah. saying that AoE's kind of a shoe in to return back <laughs> to the NCL next split. Um 
if anything, their value here is kind of being a litmus test for the new blood, the new people that are coming in. If we do, in fact, get one of these NACLQ teams promoted, uh, how are they going to fare against AOE? Hopefully we'll get a series between them. I think because of the way the brackets aligned, it's going to be kind of unlikely if someone manages to get through AOE in order to promote. But that is to say, I want to kind of use them as a balancing point you know if people can take games off of them i think that looks really good for the qualifier scene in general so it's interesting because even though i do agree i think probably aoe are shooting i was thinking if i should play devil's advocate and say no aoe are going to fail and things like that but realistically it's probably not not that honest from my part i will say though supernova is probably one of the teams that can contest them in the in in two particular places that i think are not that bad i think i think there's two what? places that they can contest them. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. what i think there's supernova. two places they can contest them that's it that's it i think there's two places that it's midlane and toblin because of the change but that's about it i think they're going to lose anyway i i think like i i want to say because i do think own it it's not bad I think Onet is one of their strong points in Supernova, so I think that it's not going to be super clear on on, on AoE side. And then because of the top lane change, obviously adjusting maybe a bit of an issue, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to matter that much. All right, I'll I'll give you that that Dragoon could totally contest Quacker because I'm a big Dragoon stan. But look, Onet is good. Onet. Shout out yeah, Onat. Third team, third team all pro is nominated. <laughs> third team all pro is nominated <laughs> by me and Grapes, right? Yeah. However, Dark Wings is Dark Wings and yeah. mid lane is a is a duo lane. Winnie is about to run Onat off the freaking map. Um I I will I will like give my one if there's a world where AoE somehow gets demoted. Uh, it's like maybe they're just turbo mental boomed by like the staff shakeup at AOE, but I find that really hard to believe. Like that, if they if they if they come out and get two would by Supernova, then we know that these players are just like boomed out of all hell. But that's it. That's the only way. And I think that from the early era of fear from this first NACL split, we kind of know that you know staff shakeups matter. I don't know if they matter enough to drastic. <laughs> right, and I don't. I don't think so either. Like, but like, if there's if there, there's a world, right? <laughs> yeah. It looks like you guys have a bit of a, a difference of opinion. If I if I may add that in there. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go That's on. That's an ancient meme now. Good one, Graves. Good one, Graves. I think this team is good. Um, Winnie is just like a maniac. He will go for any fight that he sees. Any champion yeah. on the map, he will press an ability on him if he's I mean, like on his screen. Um, Winnie's and the I, best player in the tournament, right? Like out of everyone here. Um, I don't think so. We'll get into that with our next team, I think. Oh, but, okay, okay, okay. Um, oh yeah, wait, yeah, wait. There's one more. There's one other player. Yeah. But uh, Winnie, combined with like the way that their bot lane plays, I, I feel like bot lane is a is a is a position in this tournament where there's um definitely a, a couple of, of 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 teams that that could be a, a point of exploitation and so i think if winnie is in in their bot lane like the the uwo core or former western core i should say now um mm -hmm. if they get if they come together i don't think there's really a world where aoe don't get it out cool cool we can move on next uh to tl first uh, to me, this team has, like, a big dichotomy, right? Like, this is always the play-through topside team, even when they did have Mia. 
Uh, and I feel like Botside has kind of been a downgrade since she stepped down. I feel like they've had a lot of struggles down there throughout the split regardless. Um, I do think, I assume this is what Grapes was referring to. I think Surdy's the best player in the tournament probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, Surdy's pretty good, but jung junglers are junglers. You fair, know. I have fair, an fair. extra one, but I, I, I hope it. that it's Let's not hear it. Let's go for it. Throw down. Okay, but it's not on, on TL first. I think NXI deserves respect. I feel like he's wow. he's being pulled by his team. If I'm honest, I I, I I give you respect for that. That's a respectable that's a respectable guess. Uh, that, that's a, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. For Dick, sure. Like he was on CLG Fade, and we know CLG Fade. Yep. Now last dance, last dance. Mm -hmm. Only Nyarko wanted that team to win. Yeah, for sure. You tell first. me nobody wanted them to win. Like I know they didn't win, but there were people who wanted them to win. It was fun <laughs> when they won. Yeah. You and the other three fans. The other three <laughs> CLG fans. I, I will second Gordo here on, on Surdy point, though. Like, this team is basically all top lane. I, I yep. mean, I don't know what else there is to say. Like, this guy, out of all the, the people that are here in this tournament, all the teams in this tournament, he will have a really fun time just, like, playing lane. Um, and I think that he'll have to just play around that top side of the map. City Witty can have some good games and has looked very shaky throughout the split, which has been something that I've been a little bit disappointed by. Um, but overall, like... I think Surdy is still like a, a, a mid-tier challengers level player, if not maybe a little bit like, you know, higher or lower. So I would be shocked if like he gets really challenged at any point. And I think that him alone might be enough to just get them back in. But there are, there definitely are some holes with this team as we can maybe talk about. Yeah, and, and especially Surdy is a player that not only has demonstrated a lot of consistency and, and I think definitely proven that he deserves to still be, like, at that challenger's level and considered at that level, but also, like, this is a meta in which top lane can absolutely be carried through. We've been seeing Olaf's, Darius's, um, you know, whatever the hell else. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, I, th I think that, too. Like, it's it's a Surdy, it's a, it's Surdy's time to shine, I think. He's going to need to shine if they want to be able to qualify because like what we were talking about it they are a really top centric team and i'm kind of like curious what you think about it but i think probably one of the harder matchups is going to be toblings that are really stable and i think that team tack that like team fish tackle is going to be quite effective at just being able to like neutralize as much as possible top lane not necessarily win it but just make it so that top lane is not going to be a big deal and that's kind of the big thing that I'm scared for TL first, because it's 30 or nothing. I'm loving the fact that TDS is bringing the NACLQ optimism to the table. Um, and honestly, you're kind of selling me on that fact, right? I haven't considered TL first all that critically as of late, um, but they certainly took a downturn during that playoffs era. And I think that... If anything, that was a point in time in which Surdy became much more centralized upon. And I think that this is a really good tournament to see how much of a difference maker Surdy is. I don't know if TFT is going to be the team that can actually really put TL first behind. But, you know, there's a lot of matchups, at least on the amateur side of things that I want to see uh, in these players go up against Surdy. Uh, Tony Top is someone else who I'm really excited to see take to the rift 
um, at this level of play. And also, there's been a lot of discourse, at least in my circles, around Niles on Maryville University. I know that my pals at Contingent, who I do a lot of production for, believed that their key to, like, trying to take down uh, Maryville, and while they did fail, you know, shout-outs to them doing well as a 32nd season. 2-3, two, two, yeah, not bad. Yeah, um, but they said, yeah, we're doing nothing but, like, beating up on Niles because we think he's a weak point of the team. So I want to see uh, if that's actually true. I, I'm very interested to see what the strategies are going forward. Uh, we're talking about weak points of the team. I think it would be, um, like, weird to not talk about the bot lane situation here for TL first. Obviously, mm -hmm. there was a, a mid-season roster change. Yeah. Um, and the person that they brought in, LJX, has not really looked good. Um, I, I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, he was somebody that was kind of brought in out of the fact that there was nobody else that wanted to sign up for that team. And overall, they that bot lane looks very, very weak. Um, and just as I was talking about Lynx and Skytech probably being the strongest bot lane here, I think this is probably in contention for the worst one. And I think that is definitely something that can be capitalized on uh, against, this, against this roster. Yeah, the weaknesses of certain teams are, are things to look into. Because one other thing that I, I like, I don't know if we're kind of going over the fact that this is also not necessarily just for straight up qualifying, but you have to try and not look the worst. Because even if you if you end up uh, getting demoted, you can still like save yourself a spot in one of the in, in of the teams in the future as long as you look good enough. So like I think for players, this is also going to be important to not necessarily be the best, but don't look the worst. It's kind of how I'm looking at it. The less bad you look, the more chances you will have to stay to at least remain in the NACL or close to that. And uh, we're talking about this. Oh. I was going to say, uh, the good old-fashioned savior-dignity approach. Yeah, yeah, kind of, because realistically, we were talking about this with the fear situation where we, th <laughs> we think fear is going to, broke, to break up, essentially. Like, I, uh, to, for the majority, we don't expect to see more than two players from fear stay there. I think it was. Like, we, we expect, the, the, expect the team to break up just because I think that other NACL teams are going to try and take away the talent from that roster, and... They, that's going to be more beneficial for Fear in the long run, but that also opens up spots for other players in, be it Fear, be other professional t uh, teams. So it's important to also for these players try and not look the worst, or at least try and make themselves look like a really good piece to try and take into one of these professional teams. That's also another like a strategy in case you get demoted. For sure, for sure. Talked a lot about TL first there. I think we can move on to Fly Fam a little bit here. Um, FlyFam is a team that's really like a wild card for me coming into this tournament, right? Because they really rallied towards the end of the season. They started to look a lot stronger after bringing in Hyper. I think especially once he started to gel with the team. By the way, hope that we do get to see Supernova against FlyFam somewhere in the bracket because that'll be a cool <laughs> grudge match for for those guys. Um, but regardless, it feels like so hard to judge them because I feel like I have so little tape of like the new fly fam, right? Their seed was already so, so fucked by the time, uh, <laughs> we got into, uh, playoffs that it's like they played against good teams and they lost super fast. I mean, you know, who's, what's really the surprise there? Um, they had to play against really tough opponents. So I'm interested in seeing what they're going to look like here, um, and I think this is a, this is a team that I think could definitely overperform and like requalify pretty convincingly. But I think it's also a team that could struggle uh, and maybe be relegated. 
Ooh, so so your rogue order. I do not think it would be an overperformance at all. Maybe that's a harsh uh, thing if, to say. If they, if, yeah, if they really quickly qualified. My my hot take actually, and I'm excited to talk about this team. I think FlyFam is gonna is gonna qualify and pretty easily. Um, I think especially if they take care of Tony Top in round one, like they're yeah. they're in. Um, because we were talking a lot about like the provisional teams potentially having exploitable weaknesses. You know, question marks with Quacker in the top lane, uh, LJX in the bottom lane for Team Liquid first. Um, I don't think FlyFam actually has that very obvious weakness. I think all of their players are at the very least pretty good. I think the team looked a lot better down the stretch of the split and. I, I mean, I still think they're a step behind the rest of the NICL as a whole. Uh, I I would be actually very surprised if they if they went down here. And, and I think if FlyFam goes down, that means Team Liquid first and Last Dance are definitely going down because I, I think this team looks like it should be solid enough to maintain their spot. This is the problem with having five people on a podcast like this, Gordo. They just take all the good points before I can get to them. I think that Hawk's <laughs> right on the money. I am right there with Hawk in terms of that reading of FlyFam. Uh, there's a reason why earlier on I alluded to the fact that I think TLD is the kind of break point at which we see NACL qualifier value and quality then rise above NACL quality, if that makes sense. And... FlyFam, I think, have not only shown, especially near the end of the season, that they are better than TLD, they, I think, are miles better than TLD. And I think that part of that comes from the fact that they have a very kind of unified front. And that means a lot coming into a tournament where maybe coordination isn't always the best, right? Some of these NACL qualifier teams only really are playing qualifiers together. I'm sure they're screaming outside of that inside and whatnot, but, you know, they were trying to get a group together for this kind of Swiss and the playoffs afterwards. So the cohesion might not necessarily be there. And I think we saw some of those growing pains. Um, and even the teams that have made it all the way over to the, this uh, qualifying tournament from the NACLQ side uh, in particular, I just remember casting a uh, TikTok Tony top, uh, then Dewey and Tony top or no, it was Dewey and Tony top and TikTok Tony top and now team Tony top. Um, and just saying like, yeah, these guys, I don't think they're calming like at all. I think that they're just kind of going for their own <laughs> engages and stuff. Uh, and you know, that's what allowed them to, or well, not allowed them, but that's what caused them to go three, two, to a degree in the Swiss. Right. Uh, and it's picked up since then. I've heard good things on that front, but this is all to say, you know, up against a team like FlyFam that kind of balances their strengths across the map. I think this is a particularly difficult kind of test for these teams to pass. Yeah, I'll just say real quickly, I I, I definitely shouldn't have said overperformed. I'm, I'm getting rightfully dunked on by that take. Yeah, dunk on Gordo for that take. <laughs> <laughs> They're oh, going to coo us, Gordo. They're going to coo the That's entirity okay. of yeah, Honestly, if it's, yeah, if it's because I refer <laughs> to playing as I expect as an overperformance, then we deserve it. <laughs> uh, I, for... Like my my general expectation of FlyFam is the way that you talk about this team is BH and AH. That is before Hyper and after Hyper. This team is just so different. Uh, even to look at just the records, before Hyper subbed in, the team was one in seventeen, and their one win was against CLG Faith. And I don't want to talk about that series. It was, it was not, it was not a, a, yeah, that, that series is yeah, a little bit uh, of a banger <laughs> for all the wrong reasons, man. That, that was, was my favorite series. NA series right it there. was a banger. It was it was back and forth, I will say that. Narco, <laughs> um, it's your but... favorite series because CLG Faith won a game. Um, wow. Yeah, that is such an uncharitable take. But yes. <laughs> um, but uh, after Hyper subbed in, throughout the rest of the regular season, 
not including the playoffs where they they did drop two series, of course. Uh, that team was four and eight, and if you carry that win percentage over, that is ten wins. That is the same number of wins as Evil Geniuses Challengers had in the regular season. So, you, if you take a look at in that lens, the team is not not too bad. I think um, the way that they play is. Uh, I mean, we can't talk about this team without talking about Lunasia, their top laner, who was this crazy breakout star, solo killing, I think, basically every top laner in the entire league. Um, and I'm excited to see how he uh, continued to grow in this like period of time off. Um, and I'm really, yeah, just like seeing the way he plays flanks and um, I think Hyper coming in and like really just being a voice to set a lot of these young players down uh, is a really, really interesting uh, thing to watch. Yeah. Can we just talk about really quick? We didn't really talk about it much earlier. Like, top lane in this tournament is stacked. Like, that's almost what gives me, not to go too far back here, but that's almost what gives me a little bit of worry for TL first is because it's, like, in a vacuum, right? Take any random relegation tournament from the next X years that we were doing this format. I bet you would be feeling very good about TL first as a top side centric team. But, like, wow, between... Gamsu slash Quacker, who I think are quite good. I think Dragoon's really good. Lunasia's really good. Surdy's really good. Um, I think Niles is still solid. Tony Top, of course, is the namesake of his team. Uh, you know, Alorum's XLCS. Like, these guys are all, like, real contenders here, except for Pajani. Yeah, I was going to say, you left the name out of there. I, no, I didn't forget him. I didn't forget him. He just doesn't go oh, on that no. list. So that's going to be a tough time for old Bajani. Also, Gordo, I think I got to knock you for slander once again. Look, I, I was I was coping maybe at first, but I, I, I'm i here for it. Uh, I don't want to hear any slander towards my B1 Niles, okay? Like, that I, guy's my goat now. Um. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know. I think Niles is still good. I think like I don't I don't buy that he's like the weak point. I'm, like if he's the weak point of the team, it's only because like Scary Jerry and Psycho have become like a really good bot lane. Yeah, I mean that, 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 that that's valid. Um, the the quick point I want to add as well about Flyfam and why I think they'll be good is this team uh, also demonstrated pretty fantastic early to mid games um, against some really good teams in the NACL, and then you know. We don't have to talk about, like, everything that happened after 20 minutes. But they were actually really good at getting leads. And I think against lesser teams, uh, those teams are going to have more problems coming back. Um, and so as long as FlyFam Fly plays to that level and is able to to stick to their game plan, I don't see any reason why they uh, shouldn't have a good performance. I think it's fair. Like, I, I was going to say, I don't... Like, I don't think comparing FlyFam to the car crash that is EGC is a fair comparison <laughs> because that was, as someone that had high hopes, I will try and dunk on them as much as possible. I want to point out that Grapes just had a very strong reaction to the car crash that is EGC because this guy I, was coping for them so hard for like I 20 games. Me too, season. man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a, we all I, were. Yeah, like my finals prediction was... It had, it had, it had DG in there. I'm not oh, jeez. All right, well, I didn't no. come that hard. Look, I don't know if you can see it on the side. We have the charts or where on where we expected to see EGC. On uh, the general consensus was third place. So the fact that he just broke down so heavily uh, speaks to be fair. How to be fair, we made that prediction about a roster that had King on it. I didn't see King on that roster. TBS. Yeah. We can't be held accountable. True. True. Yeah, I'd rather have King than anything else they brought over. Honestly. King and mobility would probably have been better than any yeah, other. Yeah, no, player. it definitely wasn't mobility's fault, but I get to distance myself from that prediction. Yeah, that's when the casino. That's when the casino gives you your money back. After, exactly. Like something, yeah. something weird happens. 
exactly. If it works, it works. But like with that in mind, I do want to give the credit to Flyfam that I think they deserve in the sense that following Hawk's logic or following Hawk's idea, I think the rarity game was really consistent in, in the later stages. I think that against teams that don't really know how to manage around that, probably going to take a, a big advantage because it's not like a lot of the teams here play for their late game strategies. Like even even the, the teams that come from the qualifier, I think play more to try and battle that out through the early and mid stages of the game. So I think that for a team that is really strong in those parts, like Lifeham, they are going to take huge advantages because there's no one that is going to play a completely opposite style to them or in a really big fashion. And I think that that's where they'll be able to take advantages. And with their players, I think individually, they probably have the advantage in some situations. I think Instinct and Sword, even though they didn't perform how I expected, I still think they could be a really strong lane in this tournament. And as long as they have the advantage there, or at least play around really well there, they should be able to play it out. Now, I will still give the hope that maybe some amateur team can pull it off because I want to see them fall down. It would be hilarious. <laughs> For the content. EDS wants exactly. blood. For the content. Hey, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm the kind of guy that enjoys the trial by fire. So right. we're, we're a gladiator society. We are. It's great. All right, let's move on to the last dance, the artists formerly known as CLG Faith. Uh, with a little bit of a roster change. This one is this one is public. I don't even think we have to do a... Uh, we don't even have to do a rider it's public, on this yeah. one. It's public, uh, Town is out. Messages off native gaming is in. Um, and that is going to be, I feel like, a pretty big change for CLG Faith. I mean, this is a team that has had so many changes. There's been multiple rosters that they have run throughout the split. And they've struggled with all of them. Um, I think Messages is going to be the recipe. I've never seen Yarko look so sad as he looks right now. <laughs> we... We literally had the same question on Salty Runback. Man, I am such a messages stan. I think Let's this go. guy is so cracked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember on like the second episode of Salty Runback, I was like, y'all should know messages name. And I was fucking right and I felt good about myself. Um, but like and, and, and you know, I'll say if the team actually like is gelling well, uh, and and all that, I think actually having a big carry in mid like messages could really be enough to prevent them from getting relegated. The problem is, CLG Faith slash The Last Dance has just had so many problems that I don't feel like stemmed from one individual player that I don't see messages saving them. But man, I would love to see messages come in and just play his heart out. Messages becoming the messiah of CLG, ex-CLG Faith. Now, as an unfaithful, because I really don't believe in that team, I... I think even though they pulled off so many changes, they never really attacked the main point that I think was so consistent. And I, I don't like saying it like this, but like, I feel like Johnny was the biggest glaring issue in the team in the sense that he's the weakest performer. And that's one of the reasons why I started in the start of the season, I say that CLG Faith was not going to perform, is that I thought they had really weak soul laners. Like in a, in a, soul, in a league that had really good soul laners in so many places, particularly mid lane, I think having so so much or so many weak soul laners like Bajani at the start it was Serenok, Town kind of improved that, but I still think that their lack of power in the top lane, even just by the pure virtue of surviving lane, is really impactful and it takes away from the potential playstyle from uh, the last dance. Like I gave credit to NXI because I think that he did a, such a good job with really weak lanes. 
and I still think that he's still that he has to do way too much to cover for some of those lanes. Messages can try and be a little bit more of an impactful factor, but it's still really difficult. This is also going to be like the first experience that Bejani that, that sorry that messages is going to take into such a situation where if you win, you're going to be able to go up and go towards that NECL spot and things like that. But it's also going to be a situation where if you fail, that can impact your like your outlook in your career to a certain bit because you're going to get demoted in a team that doesn't look that great. And I think that extra pressure may end up affecting some of the play style from messages. Hi, everyone. It's the TLF of TLD and that I am the last fan of <laughs> the last dance. Um, here with one last little blast of hopium before the tank truly runs out. Uh, you know, for as much as we talk about how good the top lane pool looks right now, and I think that Hawks also established that the top lane is a lane one can carry through, my gigantic prayer for TLD is that Bajani doesn't have to solo lose the game because I also think that the top lane is a lane where the meta is at a place where it can be stabilized by just picking Malphite or picking Orn or something like that. And I think that as the series went on um, in their series versus C9C, we saw Bajani relegated to Orn duty, right? Just generally to like passive tanks. That means that we could focus elsewhere on the map. Maybe it's through messages we could get something done. Um, I was thinking maybe it could be through Aaron's sketch, but honestly, after watching the Slu versus Merrillville University matchup, and given that Merrillville is their first opponents, I am less confident on that front. Um, the only good news for me coming out of this whole uh, fiasco is that I probably will be transitioning my fandom from this provisional team to Merrillville in their upcoming promotion that I'm calling is going to happen. So, you know, at, at least it's out with one in with the other. So I can remain happy, at least on that front. Well, hey, don't, don't, you know, don't sell all your copium yet here in Yarko, because I, I think that, you know, there, there's some things that we can look at here for this team. Overall, I do think that messages is probably the best mid laner that this roster has had while this is their fourth roster change um, of the split, which is a crazy thing to say. Um, I do like the way that they kind of continue to improve and, and actually take a game off of wildcard in their last series that they ended up playing. Um, I think a lot of this, uh, this team is going to have to work around NXI. Um, I like the way that Aaron and Sketch, although sometimes aren't successful, they like to really try and make proactive plays. Um, and I think in this bot lane pool, we can see a world where that, that could end up breaking through. But I, I do I do see why everybody is definitely down on this team and, and probably coming in as like the weakest provisional team out of the four. But I think that it's not like a shoe in that they're going to be eliminated. I think that it actually, I think that there are worlds where they 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 could stay yeah. stay around for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's not as doomed as people might think, even though it seems pretty doomed. <laughs> I agree, it's doable. Like I don't think they'll be first two teams eliminated for sure. So I think like they'll get a best of five in there probably. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll be predicting them to be Maryville though when we do get to the the bracket stage. I think it's super easy to say that something is not impossible, you know? And while I do respect, and I think that is probably the most accurate take to make in this situation, before we even get into the estimations of where they're going to place or what's going to happen, I guess I'll just be the dark cloud. I'm going to say, yeah, if there's a team that doesn't have a chance, it's this team. Um, wow. Alongside wow. some of the... 
I think it's Supernova. Uh, I'm with Hawk. It's definitely Supernova. We can get to them a little bit later, but I, yeah. I think that's a that's a good take as well. I, yeah. I was gonna say also alongside like maybe like Supernova and maybe TFT. I think that I will be pleasantly surprised, honestly, if Faith takes a series going forward. I hope that they do. I don't see it in the cards, unfortunately. Fair enough. So. I do also want to say, before, but really quick before we move on, I just want to throw my weight behind messages as well. I'm real hyped on this guy. Um, it's, you know, he's not the youngest by age, but he is very young by trajectory, right? And that's what I think matters more, is he, like, only just started playing amateur last year. And, you know, he went from good player on a medium amateur team to top player in amateur on a top amateur team to you know now he's on track to be an NACL in summer either on um you know this team qualifying or maybe getting picked up by somebody else um and yeah that's just always something to clock when somebody is like racing through the ranks like that uh and messages is that guy he's a pole belter he's a North American mid so I always got to be real excited for him here is that is that like a boomer is that like a boomer reference from like 2016 lcs when the league was koreans danes and pole belters i don't <laughs> there by the way like actually in the lcs yeah what other enemy jojo cute and palafox oh yeah there's two now <laughs> I, I i tend to forget that there's actual enemy laner sorry yeah. i i understood the reference i just didn't i've never heard uh, Pobelter used as a adjective before. I think that's something cool. only. Well, it's still a noun. He's just he is a Pobelter. Right. Yeah. Okay, I got you. <laughs> it's like a job more so. Than I think it's something yeah. only like my immediate circle has ever said and has been saying since 2016. But I'm, it, I'm sticking good, to it. It's a good phrase. Good I think phrase. it should catch on. I think we should start calling North American mids Pobelters more broadly in in <laughs> honor of of our boy Eugene. I'm down. The, the, anyway, the future generation of Pobelters. <laughs> the next generation of Pobelters <laughs> is is messages, man. He's the next generation. That's my point that I'm making here. I'm calling that out. Pay close attention to this guy if he makes it into NACL next split. And if he doesn't make it in next split, then he'll be in next year. So you'll see him before too long. Let's talk about Maryville. Um, and collegiate teams in the NACL more broadly. I think that's going to be super interesting that we have the potential to, have a, to qualify a collegiate team here. Um... And I think, like, I think there's a decent chance that we do. I think Maryville is the best team coming up out of the contenders, whatever we'll call them. Um, they're seeded as such. They are the fifth seed. They get to play against Last Dance first round. Um, and I'm probably going to be predicting them to win that one. I think they have a very good shot of making it here. Uh, yeah, I mean, before we start getting into, like, real talk about, like, Maryville and also just the, the statements about collegiate. Um, some interesting things to note is the fact that uh, Maryville is currently qualified into the CLL top 32 bracket. Um, and that does pose some conflicts as we go throughout uh, this, this tournament and even beyond uh, in the fact that the first round of CLL is actually the last two games of the last two best of fives of the promotion relegation tournament. So there might be a situation where I don't. I don't really know what's going to happen, but that, that could be that could be a scheduling conflict there. Um, and if Maryville both a promotes in and b um, makes it to top eight in CLO, which I think is a very likely thing, um, they will have to play the first week of NACL and top eight the same weekend as well. So, I think that's a. I think that's a really interesting uh, kind of 
thing to, to take a look at uh, as we get into the discussion about like collegiate amateur and Maryville specifically. And at the same time, it isn't like they haven't had that kind of packed schedule up until this point to a degree because they were playing NACL qualifiers and oftentimes jamming best of five straight into another best of five for CLL. And so they are used to that kind of workload. I have no clue how they also do school on top of that as they are literally a college. But um, I think that as long as it isn't like they're at the exact same time and they have to FF one or the other, uh, Maryville finds a way. It seems like they always manage to find a way on the front of scheduling, given that they're also in Nace Star League as well. So that's three separate League of Legends events that they are running the gauntlet on every single week so far. Yeah, but despite all of that, I think uh, maybe to get into the conversation about what we actually expect from them, I still think Maryville is by far the best qualifier team. And if we're sitting here talking like Team Liquid first and Last Dance, we're not sold on them. I think I'm with Niarco. I'm pretty certain that Maryville would be a top four team in this tournament. I'd be very surprised if they're not. My only reservation about this team is that they've shown flashes of inconsistency, but I feel like as long as they show up, they wake up on the right side of the bed and the, the days that they're playing, they're going to be ready to go. They just don't know how to play from behind. I think they've been winning for so long that that's at least what I've observed from them uh, from casting like a full season of Seelol, where they didn't drop a game until literally conference finals. And it was the one game where they entered every lane by just like hard shoving. And then after that point, they just it just kind of felt like a spell of desperation was in the air. I think I felt the same thing from them from uh, the second NACL qualifier at the same time, right? Because they went 3-2 there. And I think that's where a lot of their consistency lies. Yeah, they'll, they'll flip an early game and, and then just, like, lose the whole game off of that. Um, I, I, but, yeah. I will say, I have seen them win some bangers. They are not, like, a team... I don't think it's that they don't know how to play from behind. I think it's that they for fun it. Like, it, I think there's Maybe. a difference, though. Like, I, I feel like there's a difference. I think they are actually a very versatile team when they want to be. The problem is I feel like they don't take every game maybe as seriously as they they should or or, or for whatever, you know, whatever reason. In that sense, you could argue, like, talking about the scheduling and all that, you could argue they are fine giving, like, I don't want to say throwing, but, like, not playing one of the qualifying because they're competent enough that they can win two. So, they like, they win the first round, they give up the second, and then they go for the last round, which it's probably not the best uh, recipe to try and qualify, but certainly if they are competent enough and they think that they are the best team, they, pr they can try and pull off. I think that's good as scheduling wise, as long as they are able to speedrun one of the two, they probably should be able to to accommodate this being a little bit more important. And I think the main the main like thing that I'm thinking about with them is more so how is it going to affect if they do actually go up into the NACL? Because I do remember that there was like some talk about how do if collegiate teams can actually participate or think or something like that. How does it work? And that's kind of the main thing that I'm thinking about as well. So there's nothing limiting a college from being the funding and managerial body for an NACL team, as far as I can tell. The concern that I think was brought up and we were talking about prior to this uh, podcast was that what happens if like a student who is on the team graduates and therefore has to leave the roster on paper, uh, given the fact that there's also rules that the first time that a team becomes a provisional team and qualifies for the NACL, they have to keep the majority of the roster around. There are like 
edge cases where you just have a bunch of people departing the team at once and that could like put people into a tailspin but from some research i also talked to shipley about this it seems like there's no clear pathway forward uh they said actively yeah we would have to just give up our nacl slot if it was the case that we lost two plus players and if that was the case we would just try to requalify through the next nacl queue which is crazy to me but i honestly don't know if we're ever going to have that narrow of an event occur given that it's been confirmed that every single person has like two plus years left on the Maryville roster except for one yeah so it doesn't look like that's going to be an issue on this first one but I do think it is an interesting point worth bringing up though right that like Maryville so there, there's like two sides of this coin right for where they come relative to like real amateur organizations especially like the most amateur organizations like TikTok Tony Top which is just like some dudes <laughs> and a manager um but uh on the one hand like maryville is like a well-oiled like professional esports organization right they have like you know they have like a, a traditional coaching hierarchy you know they have like scheduled practice they have like recruitment and all this stuff you know like obviously you know they're not the same as like a, an lcs team but they are like a a pretty like formal structured body of an esports organization in a way that i think a lot of these amateur teams aren't that are just like dudes playing from their their homes um and then but on the other hand though especially like talking about the future if they do qualify and are in the lc uh the nacl for multiple splits is like they also have an additional a substantial additional barrier uh, to where when any other team in the NACL wants to add a player to their roster, they add a player to their roster. When Maryville University wants to add a player to their roster, they have to enroll them at Maryville University, uh, presumably. And that is going to be, like, a substantial barrier for them, you would think, uh, in, like, their ability to, like... Like, it's great how good this team is right now, but you wonder, like, you know, not every iteration of Maryville has been the best team in amateur, and you got to believe that future ones might not be. I do want to interject on that one point about bringing on players because I do agree like, yeah, you have to enroll somebody. However, Maryville has been known to have a 10 man roster as well as the fact that um, I think, yes, like it would be more difficult to find a player. The, the fact that they're a collegiate team also means that they don't have as much of a revolving door. Like once someone signed up for the semester, they're usually there. So I actually don't foresee that specifically being an issue, but I do think, I mean, in general, the conversation is valuable. I was going to make the joke, and I don't really know if I had the space elsewhere, so I'll make it now uh, because it kind of builds upon what Hawk is getting at. Um, I think there's like a world in which we see a Maryville roster that competes in C-Lol and uh, Nace going forward, and then you have an NACL team because they literally have that kind of firepower, right? I think uh, Wallflower from uh, Team Tony Top is actually at Maryville, probably could just be integrated into the team formally. Um, but yeah, beyond that, it feels to me as if if there's going to be a college that is not going to struggle with finding people in emergency replacement scenarios, et cetera, et cetera, it is going to be Maryville. They clearly have the infrastructure to sign people and whatnot. I think it's funny that uh, in the qualifiers, there were five players from Maryville that played on Maryville, and there were four players from Maryville that were playing on other teams. There was PCL, <laughs> Wallflower, Azog, who both of them will be seeing uh, a little bit later as we continue our discussion, but then also Kachu, their backup mid laner for Team Ambition, um, I, who I thought actually looked really, really good. And a bunch um, of alumni too, like Evan RL and those guys. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think that goes to show kind of just how powerful of a program that Maryville has. And um, I think that they take a lot of pride in the fact that they are one of the, they're like the only sc like actual school 
we'll get to TFT a little bit later. But the only school that like is in this level of competition that can actually like match up against the rest of them. Um, and I think uh, they're going to be a really fun watch if we can if we wanted to get a little bit into like the gameplay of this team yeah. because um, they're. I think when we look at these four provisional teams or four qualifier teams, I should say, um, there's there's two teams that like play really hard towards towards early game and two teams that play very hard towards late game and Maryville are very hard on the early game spectrum. I mean, you have Niles and Odd Orange, like Renekton and Elise, level three, like hide your kids, hide your, hide your family members kind of situation, uh, like as the memes kind of have always been. Uh, but I we also have down on the other side of the map now, Scary Jerry and Zyko, who are a bot lane that can actually dominate on their own end as well. And that's something that Maryville has not always had when you think back to uh, Saskio or Evan RL or even Azog, who's not necessary, who wasn't as necessarily as strong of a laner when he was playing with that team last year. So, um, all that to say that this team's going to be really fun to watch. And hey, I didn't even mention Get Back, who Hawk and I both agreed was probably the best player in the entire qualifier this year. So, sure. what a glow up! I just want to interject with that. What a glow up from Get Back this year! Like, really played so well. Anyway, TDS, you can you can say your point. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say respect to Get Back. I like how he played. Now. I th Maryville is such an interesting case because I think that any should want for Mary should want Maryville to succeed based on something that we've talked about a little bit previously in the podcast as well in the in the in the salt mine that that I've mentioned quite a bit as well and it's the the main issue that I that I find with like getting talent to work out in NA and it's that NA wants uh, for talent to work out like in their sports uh kind of basketball uh, american football and those sports particularly whereas their whole ecosystem works like football tennis volleyball that are sports that you don't need to go through college to actually be able to play them and i think that's the main issue that right now they're finding the fact that you can be 15 year old like sniper don't even worry about going to college and actually play on the nacl ecosystem and i think that that's why ideally maryville succeeding could be a good showcase that that pathway can be allowed to happen in the NA ecosystem. Now, I don't really care about that because I'm from out NA, so it's not like I actually care if, an, if a university works or not. I just want to see players that are good play. <laughs> so it's not like I care for the universities to succeed. And I, But I do think, <laughs> yeah, like for me, I'm Colombian, dude. I don't really care about you guys in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, man, all right. <laughs> But in that sense, like, I do think that Maryville succeeding could be a really important, like, step forward to allowing more so that that pathway to actually be worth it moving into professional play. I also think that Maryville could be a place where actually not sponsoring it, but like getting people interested through the name of the university could also be a, another thing. Like, I'm not sure how big it is, but I do see sometimes like college football being promoted. And I think that that could be a case of having the university being able like through the education thing and, and the like, being able to promote more the League of Legends, which is something that has been brought up. I just saw, like, I just saw a quick headline, but like, apparently nature is worried about that in, in the NA ecosystem. So like, a, a university being able to prompt it up to more people could be a good thing for the NA ecosystem as well. Yeah. As we wrap up on Maryville, I do just want to call out one more thing that, um, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get into bracket discussion. Um, but, like, the way the seeding works out um, does mean, you know, the way the strength of the teams are and the way the seeding works out is, um, you know, even if we do predict Maryville to be last dance, they would have to face AoE uh, in that first best of five. So it, it, it kind of almost feels like that one's a wash with how strong we think AoE is. Uh, and that means that Maryville probably only gets, like, one real opportunity to make it. 
Um, so that's just something to be considering uh, when we talk about teams. We My hot to make take, it. and maybe this carries us into our next team. My hot take is that I think Team Fish Taco, if we're talking about like perceived strength of schedule, actually has the best position to promote. I agree. I completely agree. Mm. So let's let, let's get into Team Fish Taco then, because um, they play TL first in round one, um, and Team Fish Taco is in a super interesting position is I've gotten us outside of seed order. So I apologize to everybody, That's for right. that, but I don't care. We're Got talking about fish taco now. Yeah. Um, they are so inter Like they are so they are maniacs on the top side. Like they will pick all sorts of different wild garbage. Dardock and Alorum will play whatever the, the mood hits them for on that day. Um, and I think that gives them a real opportunity, right. To maybe surprise somebody like a team liquid first, and then they are on, you know, they're on a soft bracket. They're on the soft side of the bracket, I guess we could say, right? It's definitely, they're on the side of the bracket that doesn't have AoE and Maryville on it. Uh, and, and I think that does, I, I agree with Hawk. I think that gives them like a really valuable position. And I think it gives them a very good shot. Even if, you know, in a vacuum, you might not say they're necessarily, you know, top three, top two, maybe not even top four. I think the bracket gives them a good environment to succeed and not just the bracket, you know, TFT, again, kind of like Maryville, but more so. They've struggled a bit, I feel like, with playing to their fullest potential uh, at, in the most important moments or at, at certain moments. However, I, I actually think TFT is in a really, really great position in this tournament because they're another roster where I don't think there's any obviously exploitable weakness anywhere. Um, maybe their bot lane in lane is a little bit of a concern. However, I don't see LJX and Rovex being the ones to punish that, uh, at least if we're talking about first round. Um, so maybe they're bot lane in lane, but across the board, they have a very rock-solid roster. And uh, again, if we're looking at least to get at their first matchup against Team Liquid first, I, I think they match up so well because Alorum, at least in the qualifiers, has gotten quite the reputation for being the top lane gatekeeper uh, against everybody. Everybody wants to play carries, and Alorum just wants to farm and say fuck you so um you know i i think alorum you know Surti Surti is very very good better than any of the nacl q top laners for sure but i i like taco's matchup and i think their their wholeness might actually allow them to potentially be favored going to team liquid first yeah i, I was gonna say that even though i might not necessarily agree with, with the fact that T tft is or taco is the second strongest provisional team i think that there's definitely conversation, and if I had to choose, I probably would say Tony Top. But I think that their matchup is probably the best in terms of who can, who has the yes. highest chance of upsetting out of like the three teams that aren't Maryville, because we think yeah. that that actually could probably go Maryville's way. Um, with with all with all that uh, you said, uh, and we didn't even talk about Dardock here in this situation very much, in the fact that um, he will just like I don't know, I don't know, man. He just sometimes just will will run games for free, like just like play whatever he wants and he is still that good of a player that it somehow doesn't matter a lot of the time and i'm very excited to to see if that is the case my my one thing is that this team really likes to play towards late game they have robbie bob on their team and that guy does not really go for anything super proactive uh and dardock will often decide to just farm in the early game if things aren't going super right uh given that as well as the fact that hawk already mentioned their side lanes laning phase not necessarily like their their strong point um, if a team is able to exploit them in the early game, that is where TFT have struggled. Agree. Yeah. 
I think that's definitely fair. I will say, uh, I don't think, and I actually maybe the like the out of tone here, because I don't think it would be uh, an upset if TFT wins. I think they should be the ones to win this one. I actually think they should go over TF the T TL first. I would even go and say 2-0, just because I think that TL first is not the, the kind of team that I would expect to be able to go like full swing in here. We were saying Serti is the best player, like we're, like I was saying, I think Alderim can at least put a stoppage to him that it doesn't really matter, and then TFT just takes it. But maybe it's just me thinking that it's easier for TFT this time around. I, I do agree that I think TFT has a easier kind of way forward, but I also think that they are going to probably not be in the best spot going into that first BO5. Not because I don't think they can play it, but I, I'm not sure, like, I'm not fully convinced that BO5 is going to be one of their best strengths. Yeah, I think that's super fair. Um, so, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know that I would call them favorites over TL first at this point, but I definitely think they do have a path to success there. Let's take a step back really quick and move back to... Team Hang Tony on, Tom. I want to jump off what you said, Gordo. I wouldn't call them favorites, but I think they're gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I want to get the credit for predicting the underdog, but I also want to <laughs> predict them. So, hey, at least they went all in and say two zero. Okay, like I'm the one that is going the hardest. I respect Absolutely. it. T T TDS, you and I are brothers in arms on this one. Absolutely. Yes, cruel NACL teams. I agree. All right. Well, let's talk about Team Tony Top. These guys are uh, a team that I probably wouldn't have called to, like, have actually been this good, especially given their performance in the first OQ. They had a lot of trouble in that first Swiss, um, and they got it's together real me, fast. And they, 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 never... just, they fucked around a little bit, you know? Like, <laughs> it happens, did, it dude, happens. But, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess they did just fuck around, right? Like, I, I really hesitate to say anybody is just fucking around, but, uh, <laughs> I mean... It, it I, looks like I, they I were wanna, based on how good they've been since then. I, I do want to like just offer a little bit of insight here. I don't think that team scrimmed at all going into that that open qualifier. So that was the first time that they all played together. This team That's is fair. basically Wallflower decided like, hey, I want to join. Uh, I want to make a team, uh, and basically brought some of his friends on and some people that he thought were pretty good. And then they decided to play. Uh, we talked to Levitate and Snow, and they were like, yeah, dude, like, like, let's not talk about that OQ. Let's let's talk about the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to get screams in prior to the first OQ if you are literally trying to conceal the fact you're iconic. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so it makes sense that they didn't have a whole lot going into that. But, you know, I'm sticking with the theory that whenever I cast a team, they go 3-2 in open qualifiers because this has now happened twice to two of the competitors Wait. here. Wait, Wallflower is iconic? Wildflower is yeah. like, God damn it, TDS, oh, man. TDS, every, every episode. I, can't believe I don't know that. <laughs> yes. It happened with me or it happened with Iconic. Oh, yes, no. Wallflower is Iconic. Oh. TDS is like, man, who's this jungler that's just smurfing on everybody? Yeah. Like... <laughs> hey, like, I don't get oh. that immediate information, okay? I didn't know. But I just... the, the TLDR of that story is that Iconic, apparently, uh, Wallflower, he, he thought to himself that he didn't think that the name iconic like fit him anymore because mm -hmm. he thought that he's a little bit more of like a laid back personality. So I think that's cool that he's like kind of taking on a new name in that. Cool. In that what was he? Right. He was something else in. It uh, he was yeah, something he used else to be like Z Zown or something. Like Zown. Zown or something. Yeah, he yeah. he did. Uh, 
Yeah, he did uh, scouting grounds with Zaun that one time. He's a man of many names. I, I got to get in here on the Tony Top conversation, though, because Grapes sent me a DM from Snow 2 that made me really sad. He's calling me a hater. Look, I'm not a hater. Snow, Snow, look at me. But you can't see me, but look at me. My friend, you are going to smurf it this week. I am here for it. All right. Just, just, just go, go win. Just win, bro. I, I believe. I am a believer all the way. That's, that's my this... piece. I just need it. It needed to be said. <laughs> this is the point where I will be probably the less hater, actually the biggest fan of TikTok Tony Top, because even though I think that they are the most inconsistent team that I think I saw from Oculus, uh, I feel like their potential and the, the way that they played was really contrasting in a lot of situations. I actually think that they are the best team, I will say. I think they are the best team. Whoa. I, I, I will, better I, I will than, go on that. Better than AoE better or than, like better than Maryville? No, no, I mean like in the, in the like I think AoE is a shooter. Better than so Maryville. Kind of oh, you mean, you mean on like the lower half of the bracket you're saying? Yeah, yeah like the, the in the overall context, I think AoE is kind of a shooing, so I'm kind of discounting them. I'm saying in the <laughs> on the remaining, I think they are the, the, the possible best. Even better oh, than Oh, you Maryville. think they're better than FlyFam too? Yeah, yeah, like I think they can win against almost wow. anyone, apart that from is... AoE. I mean, because, because that's the thing. I think they are way too inconsistent, but their highs can really just be really good. And I think if they play with their highs, they should be a shoo-in for, for the NACL. But so, they are way too inconsistent. It's my problem. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm a... Wow, that's a really hot take, honestly. I kind of agree with you i i also i i'm all agree with what grape said earlier i also think this is the second best qualifier team just like i favor taco to to potentially qualify because of matchup right i i agree i think this is the second best qualifier team i think this is the fourth best team in the entire tournament if i were to power rank everybody aoe fly fam maryville tony top is probably where i'd be sitting um okay. and so i do think like tony top should be able to at least contend for qualification i think their matchup against fly fam is by far the spiciest um of the of the opening matches um that that one could get really interesting but the problem is exactly what you said i think this team has been so inconsistent and if they play really well they might be able to promote but i i uh yeah. i need to see it i i i really want to see it i have my rose tinted goggles on so i think they can pull it off it's just Please don't be inconsistent. But but TDS, rose tinted glasses implies like yeah, that yeah. you're nostalgic for past performances. But in the past oh, two but in the past two qualifiers, they've like lost series, like not even single games, but series to Maryville. How could you say they're better than at least Maryville? No, I think their highs are better than Maryville. I just mm, think that they don't okay. get their highs that I, I, honestly that is a blazing hot take. Agreed. I think <laughs> yeah, that like, Maryville I think, like I, I, like I think Maryville is good, but I think that like, if I was going to say player for player, I thought Tony Tubb was better player for player in that sense. Like, there's things that Maryville does great, but I think player for player, I would favor Tony Top. And if they play to their highest level, I think they can win. But they never do it. You know <laughs> That's what? That's a if, big thing. If Tony Top 2 zeros fly fam, TDS, I will, I'll give you something. I don't know what I'll give you. I'll give you five bucks. I'll give you five bucks. Okay. If Tony Top 2 zeros fly fam, I'll give you five bucks. <laughs> give you a, I believe in five I bucks and all the props it. in the world. <laughs> I will. Um, I, I think this team is really interesting. Thing is really interesting to look at um, because their highs definitely can be very high. I think if Wallflower like is is actively looking to make plays around the map, that team is is actually at its best because there are games where he'll like 
just find the perfect engages time after time. Uh, but what we've been seeing from Tony Top for the most part in these past couple of weeks in the qualifiers is that uh, they don't do anything uh, until like 30 minutes into the game. They just kind of hope that the opponent will let them get by. They don't look like a complete team. And then their mid laner Sudzi is on Aurelian Solar Vagar, and they hope that he scales enough uh, for them to win the game. That's how they won their one game against Maryville uh, in the semifinals of the second qualifier, and that's how they played a lot of them throughout the throughout the second tournament. So hey, I think them that and TFT. For DC. Okay. Yeah, that that worked for Dignitas, so I don't see why it can work for. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, I think them and them them and Taco are are the teams that like play towards late game, but um, I do worry a little bit in in the fact that if there are teams that that can again capitalize in that early game specifically, um, towards like uh, the bot lane of the bot side of the map because Levitating Snow they have games where they will pop off. And they will also have games where they will let the enemy team pop off, and they will they will coin flip that they will coin flip uh, that lane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and hey, it's fun for us. It's fun for us to watch. And but that that is exactly my problem with Tony Top Grapes. I think you just hit the nail right on the head. This team, they don't feel like a complete team to me. And and that is not uh, about the players. That's about I don't think they have a solid game plan. It feels like they go in. They get their champs and then they like try to win, but they they don't feel like they go in with any sort of actionable plan. So when a team has an actionable plan and is able to execute upon it, Tony Top sometimes gets a little bit rolled. When the team maybe is less clean, then they're able to to get to to do really well because they're individually great. But yeah, Nyarko, wasn't that you who said that um, you thought that this was to the team that like just didn't calm? <laughs> Yeah, it, right. that was yeah, the, yeah, he did say that. That's the indication I got from the first NACL qualifier, right? Because that was literally when they hadn't scrimmed and they went in pretty green. It makes sense that they hadn't really worked the comms out. Since then, I've heard from their manager that they're in a much better spot when it comes to calming and whatnot. So I think that while that could just be optics to a degree, they look more coherent. I mean, they 5-0'd in the Swiss. I still think that they looked good not better than maryville but they still looked good during playoffs so that's something to note uh for the second qualifier um and i think that they can have an impact here within this tournament but for me my fear of their inconsistencies um certainly outweighs my ability to like read them as a team that is at the very least like super high in terms of their chances for making it in unlike tft i don't think that they have significant bracket luck on their side either to really advance um although it's not necessarily the hardest uh, road in the world if i'm looking at my mapping correctly just the more i hear about it like the more i hear about it this is a the perfect example of an actual mature team like it's five people coming together to actually play yeah. not like the rest of the team so it's <laughs> example of what we should not expect but maybe May see how it works out. I have huge beliefs for TikTok Tony Top if they don't end in a way. But at the same time, like uh, one thing uh, Hawk said that I am fully into is the fact that probably uh, uh, Flyfarm is their biggest concern right now because if it goes into playstyle or playstyle wise, I think if they go against uh, TFT, which I expect to be the the matchup that happens because I think that they win against CL first, it's pretty similar, and I think player wise they can take it there. I have to bring this up on every single like thing that I do, but on our podcast, Levitate, word for word said, Tony Top will gap Lunasia. We'll he run did that say guy. that. Yes. So okay. we have. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna put it out there as just. I want as many people to hear that statement because it was a strong one, and I'm very excited to see if that happens. 
I love Tony Top from top to bottom. Honestly, it Tony was top to Tony it, Bottom. It, it, all the way from Tony <laughs> Top to Tony Bottom. Yeah, I have enjoyed how they play TDS. I can give them that at the very least. I love your optimism. Um, I'm not necessarily ride or die for them because you know I'm fans of three separate teams going to this tournament and that's just too high of a rate if I include them because I you also have to pretty much for, dead. Yeah, I have to cheer for Maryville and TLD and my grand finals is literally right at the very start. But um, this is all to say, you know, like I agree with your reading of them as kind of like the amateur team. They truly are kind of a dream team in that way. Uh, resisting to the very end to have a TikTok in their name, I think is kind of representative of their gung-ho attitude. And, you know, I think a dub for them in this tournament is a dub for also not accepting, accepting Martin Shkreli's money, which is certainly, a, I think, a Let's go. Entirety, the amateur That's community. true. I forgot about that. They were almost the Shkreli team. for They were, yeah, they the, were the Shkreli team for like four hours. Four hours. One, yeah, on Leakpedia it says one day, and then they immediately left. <laughs> well, and even that's that's an overstatement. I mean, they dropped the announcement, yeah. and then they they took it back like a couple hours later. Was... I can look at DMs and see the exact timeline in which this happens because I I am told as soon as it happens, and I'm told like as they're considering dropping the sponsorship. <laughs> well, and the, the crazy thing for us as well was that. I just remember Grapes, Grapes and I, like, that that morning slash early afternoon had to scramble for the podcast because that was the day we were supposed to record Oh no! Uh, the interview with Levitate and Snow 2 originally, and then all the Godel, the Godel shit went down, and we were like, what did we do? <laughs> we took a week off and, and, then, and then brought them back on. It was yeah, it, yeah, it worked they out. were there next week. It worked out. Very it was nice. just, it was funny. It was interesting. Dude, you could have, like, you were, like, three steps away from getting martin shkreli on salty run back it could have happened uh <laughs> we were not never never steps away from getting martin shkreli on salty run back martin, martin shkreli was was quite far from salty run back i want to make that clear to everybody that, that, that <laughs> yeah that wasn't an accusation that was an observation Dude, been, okay i do want to I, I maybe we should move on from this but i remember the craziest thing about this whole situation to me wasn't like what the you know like anything about the players or anything it was like the fact that martin shkreli was like the the revelation that he was invested in league of legends amateur esports and like like co-streamed games and stuff like that was wild and also, his competitive ID on Leakpedia, you can look this up, is Pharma Dude, it's which so is so, so, yeah, it's, so uh, weird. Anyway, we should move on from this topic, but that was by far, like, the wildest part of this whole saga. So. At least there, it was commitment, right? Yeah, yeah so. <laughs> There's somebody listening to this podcast that isn't on an ACLQ Twitter that is so confused right They're now. They're like, what <laughs> the fuck? Dude, it... it it's so weird man you know street fighter has like jamie lee curtis for like celebrities that play the game and then league of legends we got uh like sam bakeman freed and martin a aoc we got martin we got aoc and oh, well, we have AOC at the very least yeah it's, yeah. it's a very it's a very big it's quite like, a contrast it's a, yeah. big tent. <laughs> it's a big tent i wonder if they ever played against one another i feel like that would be incredible oh my god <laughs> that would oh, be geez. funny oh jeez. All right, we got one more team, and then we can talk about brackets and wrap up. Uh, Supernova, who we wrote yeah. off a little bit at the start of this show. I'm just I'm gonna take some positive signs first. I'm just gonna say, you That's know, I talked earlier with in regards to messages. I talked about trajectory, right? And trajectory is what I'm always looking at in these amateur individual players, right? Because these, for especially the NACLQ teams, right? You know, they're not gonna be 
like super professionally GM'd assembled super teams usually unless they're like consciously trying to do that you know they're like going to be groups of dudes um and so I like to look at the individual players I think Onat and Kizno both are on very cool trajectories uh and I'm happy for both of them especially Kizno this is Kizno's first year um yeah so you know him being able to to make it onto Supernova and then into the qualifiers very good steps for him Onat, I remember Sneezes telling me about how good Onat was going to be when he was on, like, wildcard dev. Uh, and that seems like it's really manifested this year. He would, like, Onat's, like, really been very good as well. Um, so I'm hyped for those players, even though I don't think this team will win very many games. Yeah, I uh, I know I've been really doomer on Supernova. I actually think Supernova's a really great team. Um, like the problem is I think they're a great team as far as NACLQ is concerned. Um, like they I love all their players. These are five players that I actually really enjoy watching and I think all have bright futures. Um, and I think they're like their mix of, of newer talent with some talent that's more established in the scene, as well as mixing amateur collegiate as well, uh, is great. I think this is a great team. I'm excited to see them play in the summer. If they stay together, um, or on separate teams. The problem is, like I said, I think they're great for NACLQ. I think they're very obviously cut a cut below every single team in this tournament, um, both provisional and challenge uh, or provisional and uh, qualifier teams alike. I'd be I, I don't necessarily think they're going to go 0404. I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't think it's like oh definitely going to happen. I could see them taking a game or two, uh, but I would be incredibly surprised if this team promoted. Yeah, they are. The I don't like saying bottom of the barrel because I don't think they are like they they are the weak the weakest team probably uh, fighting team. against uh, fighting between them and 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 the last dance I think they are probably the two weakest teams so it's gonna be interesting seeing how they perform I I take Supernova in this situation uh, kind of how I talked about team ambition as well in the sense that this is the best opportunity to sell your players. So if they, they don't need to be the best, the winners, they just need to perform high, good enough that they can sell them. Well, yeah, they are, they already, they've already done some of that this year. So Yeah, yeah <laughs> so they, they can just become a selling team. And this is the perfect opportunity to bring my references. Football no. references. You don't need to be the best team. You just need to be good enough that you can sell enough and you can just create a pipeline so that teams can look at you and say, we can get players from this particular team because they are really good at bringing up talent. Borussia Dortmund does this in my country. A team called Embigado does this. So as long as you're able to create that sort of pipeline and that sort of like place out to sell your players, that's the thing that matters the most. And I think Supernova can accomplish this, particularly Dragoon, Onet, and Kizno as well could be players to go for that. Uh, yeah, I mean... It's the Cloud Nine school of thought, right? Like, like doesn't Cloud yeah. Nine do that too? I mean, I outside of uh, outside of football, um, I I mean, it, yeah, definitely viable. I do want to note that not only is this TDS making his obligatory football slash soccer reference, this is literally the same reference he made like several weeks ago. So we gotta stop <laughs> giving him payoff on this front. Oh, he was no. like, he, he, we talked about. He so knew he had a new like... audience, Nyarko. He knew he had a new audience. He had to make another the, the same reference, and it's new to Grapes and I. So okay, well, you know, you, every few weeks you need to make the same point with different words so that it sounds like it's a new one. True. You use the teams you may have used different words together but use the same exact okay. example okay, teams. Fair enough. i'll bring a new one leipzig 
There it it's is. all just German to me, man. <laughs> but it works. I, I feel bad for Supernova. Um, like they were a team that I think was definitely in the running for becoming one of the three provisional teams actually in this NACL. Uh, for one reason or another, they ended up uh, not getting that spot uh, in turn with the other teams and so are now here. But I think that they still built a roster that was, uh, you know, very inclined to compete. Uh, but unfortunately, I think a large part of that was Hyper in the jungle when that roster yeah. was first constructed. Mm -hmm. um, the team looks very different now with Kisno in here. I will say that if Supernova are going to win, it is in the early game. And it is with just Kisno and Onat going absolutely ballistic somehow, like running all over the place, getting a bunch of kills, getting a big lead, um, and snowballing the game from there. Uh, Dragoon has actually kind of been more of like a a weak side player on this team in, in recent iterations, where instead of, uh, you know, pulling out the R5 Darius, it's more Cassante and Scion and some Cho'Gath here and there. Um, but and, and the bot lane, Azog and Chucky's have looked pretty good, but I think uh, can be matched uh, pretty well against some of the other, other bot lanes that are here. I love the, the Darius R5, by the way, but I think it's, it's a good opportunity to also bring up, like, the point with Supernova, the fact that... Well, the, the fact that even if you're like trying to go into that NACL, the big discrepancy between try, trying to build a roster when you're inside of the NACL and then when you're out of it, right? Because the budget for it, not only the first, but even fears low budget to a certain degree, it's probably more like cost uh, costs more than anything that any of the any like amateur teams would have wanted to try and put into the team. I don't think there's any team that you could say, this is worth this much compared to an NACL team, right? It, like, it feels like everyone is just pieces brought up compared to an actually budgeted team in the NACL. I agree with that. Um, this is actually a point that I was thinking about typing out, and then I realized I was too lazy and I didn't have a way to articulate it, so we're going to try to do it live and maybe it'll come out. Makes is there... I don't think it's necessarily a problem, but do you think that there is a variable in regards to a team just performing consistently but not peaking in both of the NACL qualifiers to just accumulate points versus maybe like a breakout performance such as what Rock Bottom Esports had that made it so Supernova isn't necessarily truly the best team to come out of NACLQ to take this fourth provisional provisional slot or do you think that this is like a deserved position and that the system works as it were? So there's actually been a lot of conversation about this. We talked about this um on the podcast a few weeks ago now when i had cubby on i asked cubby this question uh whether or not the second qualifier should be worth more than the first and there's actually quite a variance of opinions because obviously consistency across the split is valuable however in the tumultuous world of any uh, of any amateur that we live in i mean even across the course of half a split teams drastically change um so, I, I mean, I think it could be argued maybe Rock Bottom should be here instead of Supernova. However, I do want to, like, I, I, I think Supernova deserves to be here. So, I don't want to take that away from them. Um, like, I, I, I think they do deserve to be here, and they're good enough to at least, like, be able to play here. Whether or not maybe Rock Bottom should have been there is, like, I think a separate conversation. But the point that I wanted to bring up about Supernova, though, is that, um, you know, for as much as I am not expecting greatness from this team, I will say... Grape, grapes highlighted a potential win condition and and uh uh Snow and onat really starting to run the map i would agree with that also azog and chookies have actually been incredibly dominant in lane 
I think they could really go up against uh, some of the best bot lanes here and actually have a pretty strong showing. Whether or not that'll lead to any wins, I think, is a different story. But um, it there, there's definitely, like, a world in which uh, Supernova's bottom lane can could really show up as well. So maybe just something to keep our eyes on. Yeah. I also think even aside from discussions about one OQ being worth more than the other or anything like that in regards to format changes... I, I do also think there's a case to be made that just, like, unfortunate matchups cost Native this spot. Yep. Um, You know, Native plays Taco Gaming in the quarterfinals of the first OQ, and they play Maryville in the quarterfinals of the second OQ. Um, So they go out as quarterfinalists in both, but I think with some different seeding, with some different opponents, they could have very easily won more matches there and then ended up with more points than Supernova. So, I mean, I think even within the current format, there's an argument to be made that Supernova is not necessarily the fourth best AM team. Yeah, there is a world where if Super, if Native like lost their series to Rock Bottom and finished as the second seed, they would have they would get to play against Mirage Alliance in the quarterfinals instead <laughs> of Maryville. Uh, and so yeah, you know, there's a world where that actually would have helped Native advance. Um, I think that's kind of a really rare situation, and yeah, um, for the most part, that's not what we should be necessarily concerned about. But it, I, it, um, I do, I do like the the topic or conversation about. Um, you know, if you perform really well in the second OQ, say like you win it and you're like a new team, like Rock Bottom was, you should get a look. And I, I felt bad that they weren't even like, you know, they were playing the finals with with no stakes essentially because there was no uh, possibility of them to qualify. Well, to me actually, like it came with with what was happening with the second qualifier and kind of the topic around it. It made me kind of think that people didn't realize how useless second qualifier really was. Not that it was useless. But like how useless compared to just running the whole thing was because there was a lot of roster changes, a lot of new roster centering, a lot of new play, a lot of new teams trying to get in. And the reality is that if you didn't play the first one, you were already in such a huge disadvantage compared to just play, like playing both and doing badly. Even if you did badly in the first one, as long as you played the first one, you had a better chance than do than just stepping in in the second one and trying to win it, like what happened with Rock Bottom, because they kind of came in with that with the expectation that maybe the second one was going to work better, but because it didn't really matter, like both of them actually mattered to a certain degree, even the first one mattered a little bit more than just the second one straight up. And I think that that under or over valuing of the second qualifier ended up just taking the opportunities away from certain teams. But going forward, probably that's going to change a bit, maybe not make it so that if you don't if you do well in the first one then the second one it's going to matter more or things like that they need to reevaluate how they go into it but it's probably going to be a little bit better uh, looking into both of them i i agreed with one that said like i think winner of the first one and winner of the second one should go in like i think that's that's the be- the more logical choice like winners should go be a shoo-in in my eyes but i can understand why people would oppose it but i i hope they make some sort of changes like that don't want to leak too much, but there have been conversations about that going into next split, and we will Absolutely. likely see something different for summer. Cool, cool. It's all a growing process. As long as there's changes towards the future, like we need to remember, this is also the first like time we're doing everything with NACL, Path to Pro, like things like that. So it's a learning process. We still need to like fix certain yeah. things, but at least there's attempt. 
the 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 NACL Q format is pretty similar though. But the last thing I'll say on this, I know Colomer did have some strong opinions about having to play Maryville in the quarterfinals. So yeah, I yeah. I uh, I've also heard that I don't know what the changes are, uh, but I've heard that changes might be made. I take full responsibility for Maryville being put in quarterfinals. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want guarantee come on, Yorko, why did you have them go three and two? It's a What's up? Three two, yeah. God, <laughs> it does all. This come is how back. I sell myself. This is how I sell myself to like a lower tier or like lower seeded NACLQ team for the next split. If you guys want a guaranteed three two, have me cast you guys. I think Gordo, we need to sell ourselves like that. Then we were in, we went four one both splits. I think, or actually four one and three two. So I think we are also good luck for teams that want to qualify. That's well. I mean, I I cast we're, for we're team. We're bad M luck. We watch Super Sunshine shit the bed. True. <laughs> I mean, I cast for. I remember when like there was a like a couple tournaments where like Team Ambition would put together oh, like super no. stacked rosters. Oh no! I was the was one covering them on all of those. Time. So it's that was like I was cursed for a while there. Like when. Team Ambition ran that roster with Scary Jerry that didn't qualify, and then they ran that roster with... I remember those. Those were oh, great. Oh, man. And then, wait, what was the other one? They had, uh, they built that team that was, like, so high-seeded that, like, it should have been impossible to not make yep. it. I, uh, I and that was that. the one where, like, DK Crew made the run. It was, like, um... Who was on like that team? It was like Strom. I was rooting so hard for DK Crew. Yeah, it was like Strom, Psycho, Pseudo, Sarcasm, Decoy, or something was the team. Yeah. I was like, oh man. Oh. Also, just a side point, I miss so much that we don't have teams like DK Crew anymore. Like, those were so great. Hey, we, we had uh, we have we Blink. Have we, have tick, we, had, we had Tony Top. Oh, yeah, Blink. If you, actually, I, actually, I think the reason why teams like DK Crew, quote-unquote, don't exist anymore is because of the selection committee. Like, we still have those teams. They just get seated, not 32nd, you know? Yeah. Uh, true. We had a St. Trevor, too, for only the first OQ. I think people forget yeah. how funny St. Trevor was. I think a lot of people don't realize that that wasn't a real university. <laughs> <laughs> we also had Zuby's Kittens almost make it, and then... True. They, Zuby's Kittens was the ones that imploded. Yes, Zuby's Kittens was the oh, Wolverine yeah. team. That I was so sad. I, I, I was so I hyped about that team. I wanted to watch them play. Oh, well. Oh, well. Well, anyway, we're already pretty long here, but let's talk a little bit about the bracket and what our predictions are for teams who we expect to make it here. Uh, and this is why I didn't really get to cover this in the, the Tony Top section, um, but we did allude to it during the Team Fish Taco section, which is that, like, I think there is, like, I think you have a way easier path to qualify in some seeds than you do in others. Um, and I think, I think, uh... You almost, like, for, for being an outside contender, you almost want to be winning the lower side of the bracket. I think that's, like, the best way forward, because otherwise you're going to end up having to play either AoE or Maryville for your promotion matchup, uh, which is just going to get real, real unlucky real fast. Uh, do we want to go down, like, one by one with the, with the first Yeah, sure. Round, we so. can go through some matchups. Let's do, like, yeah. So, I mean, AoE Supernova, I think we've all made our points pretty clear on. Yeah. Um, but we could skip down to, like, Last Dance Maryville. I, I will say about AoE Supernova, I think what's interesting about that is that they play very similar styles, in my opinion, where true. it's just yeah, mid-jungle. Really mid-jungle are going to go crazy. They're going to just run around. They're going to make plays. There's a world, I think. I think AoE, like, some of their struggles have come when 
uh, Winnie and Darkwings will go for a play that's like maybe a little bit too far, and they'll be punished. But they'll be punished for it. And so I can see a world where that happens on either side. Maybe more likely towards Supernova than towards AOE. But I, I would expect this series to be volatile, albeit maybe not that close. Agree. Yeah, I think that's super fair. Um, Last Dance Maraville feels like it's also. Like, it, even though it's the fourth, fifth seed match, it feels like it's, like, another high seed, low seed match, right? Um, and mm-hmm. Last Dance, you know, they've got their roster changes, they've got their new mid laner, which gives me a little bit of hope, but I'm just too high up on Maryville to, to really be predicting anywhere else. I think Maryville is set to be, like, really good here and, and will likely be playing up against AoE for a spot. I, I agree. However, I'm going to come in from the top rope, and uh, I think Last Dance is going to lose that series. However, Shocked. wow, that I was think... so bold of you. <laughs> <laughs> however, however, I think Last Dance is not the worst provisional team, and Ooh. I think they'll uh, actually be competitive in, in the lower bracket. I think, I think Team Liquid First is going to go a nice 0 2 1 2. So you think they have a chance to actually re qualify? Yep. I think they have a chance. I don't think they will, but I think they have a chance. Uh, I, I would power rank them sixth in this tournament behind. Uh, I'll just tell you all my power rankings, and maybe that that could be the conversation. My power rankings right now would be uh, AOE, FlyFam, uh, Maryville, uh, Tony Top, Team Fish Taco, Last Dance, Team Liquid First, Supernova. So do with that what you will. <laughs> it's interesting because, Hawk, I think I'm actually the more extreme version of you than this, and it's something that I was alluding to earlier. My power rankings are basically the seeding order with the last dance in Maryville flipped. And so I think it's basically just AOE, TL first, Fly Fam, Maryville, and then. Really? Yeah. And you're high on TL first. Because I have TL first. I, I think TL first is. I, I think that TL first can yeah. flip with Fly Fam. But I think that m- the main point that I'm trying to make here is that I'm boxing out most of the provisional provisional teams, the ones coming from the ACL qualifiers, of having a chance, personally. Um, and that's why I was kind of focusing on this matchup, not as necessarily my grand finals, but also they're my favorite teams. But <laughs> I do think that this is the one spot for me to clearly see a shift in the power structure of the NACL. These other games, I'm looking at much more as kind of a litmus test for what the amateur scene looks like more broadly. Uh, I don't really have too much faith in some of these other matchups, like going in favor of these provisional teams and us seeing a change to the, what's going to make up the NACL. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd be, I, I'd, I'd like to see some, some mix ups or maybe me being thrown off that uh, estimation. I, I know that Hawks feel a little, a little doomer on, on TL. And I think I, I definitely agree that they're the second worst provisional team, but I, I don't know if that's, I, I, I think I don't they're know. the worst. That's my point. I think, yeah, think ranking them last is, is is pretty far. I mean, that's no, they're seventh. They're seventh. They're they're ahead of Supernova. <laughs> okay. By how much? By the way. Look! But... Look! Look! I here's the thing: is I feel like if your win condition is just a top laner going crazy, we already talked about how good the top laners are. I think Sardi could totally win them a game or two. Uh, the problem okay. is, I think I think City Witty could definitely get neutralized by a jungler like Dardock or Wallflower. And I think the rest of the map is just actually not that good. That That's sort of where I'm at with this team. Um, and that's why I would power rank them seventh. Yeah, like, I would, like I'm similar in that situation because, well, I already said I have high expectations for TikTok Tiny Top. I'm 2-2 in, in how the qualifiers are going to go. I think two will remain, 
from the initial and two will go up from the amateur. That's where I'm at too. So Same. like I, I have really no big expectations from TL first and from the last dance. I think with Supernova they are the three worst teams. Any other, uh, honestly, the order doesn't really matter because I think that anyone can disappoint in the same way now the ones the other five teams are or the other five teams are going to be interesting because i can see one of the amateur teams imploding not necessarily in the sense that they are going to be bad but this is going to be a mute a, a tournament in which you have to go against teams that probably will be a bit better than you and we'll also have a little bit more experience against teams that are better way better than them as well talking about the NECL teams and then also changing uh, change in patches the fact that you haven't played for a bit also is going to impact so I can see a world where one of these teams just implodes uh, from out of nowhere which one I hope it's not TikTok Tony Tell because I'm banking on them but the, I can see one really just taking a hit in a really big way now even considering Maribel could be one of those considering like not necessarily that they are bad or anything like that but schedule the the extra pressure things like that like there's a lot of outside uh outside things that could impact these teams and you really don't know how it can impact just a week worth of play really yeah if we wanted to talk about the the bottom half uh, of the the matchups here i think that one of them uh the the qualifier team has like a, a good angle to actually take uh to actually make it competitive and the other one the matchup is not so good for the qualifier team i think for 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 taco versus team liquid first uh, as we have uh, talked about a little bit like i think that that is a matchup that taco uh actually can win given the, the player matchups that we have individually i think that uh Surti, i think that alorum has probably the best chance of any of the of, of a lot of the top laners to like really neutralize Surti. um and then the bot lane um, has been a bit of a weakness in lane for TFT, but I still think that they are better than LJX and Rovex. And when Red is able to get uh, a good advantage and, and get some gold, like he will be able to carry a game. And so um, I expect this team to be able to scale to late in a way and and do the Robbie Bob, Red, Dardock team fighting kind of thing. Um, on the other side, Flyfan versus TikTok Tony Top, I think might not be the best matchup for, for Tony Top in the sense that we know that um, FlyFam are the team that likes to play a lot of really, really aggressive early games and get leads uh, through Hyper, uh, facilitating all the lanes, whereas Tony Top likes to, you know, go towards the late game instead. And we've seen FlyFam shore up their late game a little bit uh, with uh, them continuing to, to play. And so I think probably overall that uh, there, there's a good chance that FlyFam are able to just kind of dismantle Tony Top a little bit in the early game before they really get off and running. That's not necessarily me saying that one team, that like Tony's better than Taco or, or, or the other way around. Uh, but I think that the matchup specifically are a really interesting thing to look at here. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the, that FlyQuest Tony top matchup, I think ends up like, I think whoever wins that will likely make it into the NACL and whoever loses that likely won't is like just the way it kind of shakes out. Right. Cause the winner there will play against, we think, probably Team Fish Taco. If not Team Fish Taco, it'll be TL first. Um, and then either you win that and you get in, or you lose that and you play against either Supernova or Last Dance to get in, which I would expect either of those teams to win. Um, whereas if you lose the Fly Tony Tot match, um, yeah, maybe you'll get past your round two opponent, who is either going to be TL first or Team Fish Taco. But then you have to play against Maryville uh, or AOE, 
whoever ends up losing that one. So then things get like, it starts getting really difficult in the bracket for you if you end up losing that matchup. So I think like FlyQuest Tony Top ends up like the whole, your whole future kind of rides on if you can win that match or not. Um, I would be Definitely predicting FlyQuest for it. <clears throat> It actually now now that I think about it, it actually makes it so that it keeps like probably winning if both if both TikTok Tony Top and and Team Fish Tackle win it, it gives the best chances possible for more than just one team uh, uh from amateur to go up. I think it actually gives three teams the opportunity to go up in a really good way. Because it's now one qualifies immediately, the other one goes in the easier side of the bracket and then you just have to like Play, play the best possible against yeah one of one of the like one of maybe the harder ones but you get a, a really good opportunity for it to go into more amateur teams qualifying which it would be the best situation for them really if three make it i think that's a big big win for amateur yeah i think three is probably a bit much I mean, we can go through who we think is going to make it to close things out right um whereas like i have you know i think aoe they run that top side bracket, and I think Fly Fam will similarly be able to run their top side bracket. Uh, and then after dropping down, I think Maryville is going to take it against whoever they have to play against. So I think Maryville is probably my third team in. And then I actually like I think this is the you know it's a little bit of bracketive, but I think Team Fish Taco yeah. are probably going to make it into the NACL here. Um, it really is going to come down to their series against probably Last Dance. I don't think anybody any of us are predicting Supernova to win any series here. Um, but Team Fish Taco, uh, I think we'll probably beat TL first. We'll probably lose to FlyQuest, and then we'll be able to beat Last Dance, and we'll be our fourth team into the NACL. That's the uh, collegiate. That's you just got both collegiate teams in then, basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> both collegiate teams in. I'm <laughs> like I'm more so. Well, I already said I think it's uh, TikTok Tony Top is gonna be in, so I'm gonna still ride that. Until I can, obviously AOE is my other shoeing. Like by beating FlyQuest, I, I assume. Is yeah, like I think yeah. TikTok jumps up with both. Like okay. I think they win FlyQuest and they qualify directly beating probably Teamfish Taco, more than likely Teamfish Taco. Now bracket wise, I was thinking originally uh, it was going to be Maribel, but bracket wise, it's if I'm not wrong, if Maribel loses, they go against Teamfish Taco, uh, because Teamfish Taco would lose against. Uh, TikTok Tony Top, and they would go into the losers against Maryville that also lose it. If I'm not wrong, that's how it goes. Or if not, oh, it's, yeah. it's I'd have Maryville. To do so. I'd against... have to do some math here. So wait, so Team Fish Taco loses to FlyQuest in upper bracket. This is gonna be this has got to be miserable to do on audio. By the way, <laughs> yeah, sorry to all the audio listeners. Yeah, no, this is just terrible to do on audio. But maybe I'll edit in a bracket into the YouTube video or something so people can see what the hell we're talking about. So yeah, you're saying so... like FlyFam versus Team Fish Taco upper bracket? Loser of that plays uh, against the no, winner TikTok, of... TikTok Tony Top, Team Fish Taco, upper bracket. And then loser... TikTok Tony against... Top, Team Fish Taco, upper bracket. Loser would go to play against either Supernova or Last Dance. Like the losers from the... The, los uh, the winner of the losers bracket yeah. from the top side. Okay. Okay, no, then, they, then probably that is the easiest route uh, as well because both of them would be going against one of the easier ones. And then I think, if I'm not wrong, it's FlyFam on the other side against winner of... Because I think FlyFam would, would, would win their side. Would be against loser of AoE and Maryville. Yeah. In which I think FlyFam will win against Maryville in that situation. Oh, oh so you have Maryville man. out. 
Yeah, the thing, yeah, that's the thing. Because of bracket, I originally had Maryville, but the fact of the matter is that I think TikTok Tony Top will go in. So Flypam will go out, uh, will go down first, and they will have to go against Maryville because I don't think they will win against AoE Gold. I cannot wait to have another protracted complaint session where I whine and moan about the uh, about the uh, structure of another tournament in a few weeks. It's going to be a fun time. <laughs> I, I know that we were finding ways to hype up all of our qualifier teams. I still think, though, that overall, um, the provisional teams are definitely the favorites coming into here. Um, yeah. I would give... AOE like a like a very very high chance to make it in. I would also give that to FlyFam. I think TL first will find a way somehow. I know that um, we are kind of drawing little concerns here and there, but um, I I think that just the top side of the map will will probably be able to hold through. We haven't talked about Aspect at all um, this podcast, but I think that he's actually really kind of really kind of stepped into his own and and, and actually been a, a a solid player on that team as well. Um, and then my last spot, I think, goes between Maryville and The Last Dance. And I, I think Maryville have a slight edge, but I'm, I think that first series is going gonna, is gonna to really just kind of tell us who makes it through. Super fair. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I feel like the NACL teams should be considered favorites as well. I, uh, I think FlyFam and, and AoE definitely get in. Um, I think Maryville definitely gets in. And then it's just a toss-up between um, Team Fish Taco or Tony Top or maybe Last Dance uh, getting in um, for the for the last team, depending on how the scheduling all falls out. I, I don't consider Team Liquid first and Supernova to have much of a chance, but... Um, well, you know, I could be proven wrong. So am I the biggest hopium here? But for the for the amateur boys, and yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Unless Nyarko has all four making it through. No, like I said, I think I'm actually the most <laughs> pessimistic here. Yeah, I think Nyarko um, and I are kind of on the same boat. Yeah. yeah. No, makes sense, makes sense. Well, we will get to see before too long who's going to end up being right. It will be the whole bracket gets played out over next week, so make sure to start tuning in on monday the 17th is there's not too much other league of legends going on maybe that european league that some people watch on the side but i don't know what you're talking about i know i don't i don't pay a lot of attention to what they're doing over there so should definitely be a good time to watch some nacl action for sure and to get ready for our next split but i think that's going to do it for the episode we've run pretty long here but thank you all for sticking it out with us and uh learning what we have to say about all of these NACL Q teams and the NACL Demotees looking to try to get their spot back. Thanks again to Grapes and Hawk for joining us on today's show. Really appreciate it. Haven't you guys on? Check out Salty Runback on their YouTube channel, their Twitter, all of their all the places you can find podcasts uh, to see some of their takes. They talk about NACL Qs and everything every week. They talk about NACL as well and. Uh, a great extra source of information uh, for those who only really listen to this podcast. And uh, that's probably going to do it for this season of uh, the Salt Mine. We'll be back for next split with a preview uh, of whatever teams are going to be coming on in along with any other roster changes that have occurred. But it's been a great first season. Thank you all for sticking it out with us. And uh, we will see you all next time. Thanks for having us.